Somebody in the building shout He did it. Come on, I need some He did it praisers in the building. I can just see Daniel uh, in the lion's den uh, when King Darius uh, came to the edge uh, of the pit uh, and said, Oh, Daniel, uh, oh, Daniel, uh, is it well with thee? Uh, but Daniel lifted his voice uh, and said, Oh, King, uh, live forever. Uh, he did it. Uh, he did it. Uh, he just need somebody that ain't afraid uh, to take about 60 seconds uh, and give God a shout of praise uh, because he did it. Hey. One, two, three. He did it. 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 He did it.
understand why we shout like we do because a little over nine years ago brother Sloss uh, the devil tried to wipe out the rock church see some of y'all can't even shout because y'all don't even know uh, but there's a few people in the building that know what I'm talking about uh, the enemy had a plan uh, but tonight uh, we're standing in this place uh, and we got a testimony uh, that made it fail hallelujah God brought us from there all the way to here I wish you would give him a shout of praise God made it fail. 
were giving God the praise in a rat-infested building that was falling apart with weeds all the way up to here and nowhere to park our cars and the city trying to shut us down telling you would have just had to be there to understand why we can't just show up here and not give God the praise why we can't let one service go without giving God a shout of praise God made it fail almost half a million dollars this morning and if you think that's something uh, I got news for you uh, you ain't seen uh, nothing yet uh, cause the best uh, is yet to come I said the best uh, is yet to come somebody give him a prize in the in church we'd have something like this and my daddy get them to say just checking how many gods are there and what is his name and what can you have in that name anything I love what I feel I wish I had the energy to keep up no I don't <laughs> I love the Lord. I love what he's doing. You listen to me very carefully. In five years, from right now, tonight, somebody write this down. All you record keepers and reporters, write this down. In five years from tonight, we will have the money in the bank that this church if it hasn't already bought it, will be in their own facility.
can I explain to you, just so you know, what is happening here? This is not just emotions. This is what you call the anointing. The anointing is only ever created when grace comes toward us and faith responds. That's why it's important that when a preacher's preaching, he's sending grace toward you. I, I, I just thought, I'm not going to preach about this. I'm probably not even going to get to preach. But, 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 but just throw this out for all you Bible believers. Every time you read about grace in the Bible, there's always a word attached to it. And it's directional. In other words, grace is not just this thing that exists out in the ether. Grace is specific and it's targeted. In that God hath commended his grace directional toward us. Come on, think. You can think and worship at the same time. Toward us. Watch me. Grace is the sole property of God. You say, well, what is grace? Well, it's the unmerited favor of God. Well, that's part of it. That's not all grace is. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is not a thing. Grace is everything. That God prepares for man. This earth is the demonstration of grace. God does you're standing on a planet that if it was a half a mile up you'd burn up and if it's a half a mile away from the sun we'd freeze to death God has commended his grace toward us now we don't have grace to sin we can reflect his grace. We can walk in his grace, but we don't own any. What we have is faith. He has given unto every man. Don't say you don't have no faith. He has given unto what measure? The measure. You didn't get any more than him. And you didn't get any more than them. Not a one of you in here got any more. It is a measure that is the same for everyone. The measure. Oh, hallelujah. You, you want to see this? You want to see a picture of this? Go look at the tabernacle plan. God is on one end and man is all the way over here on the other end. As far from God as he can get. The tabernacle furniture was not for man, not for God. It was for man. All the furniture was for us. 
the building was not for us, it was for God. That's what they said, build him a house, lest he break forth on us and we die. So here you've got the tabernacle. You've got humanity at one end and God at the far end. And so God, watch me, began to systematically roll out the grace from God toward man. You have the Holy of Holies. And then you step right outside of that and you have the altar of incense. Can't get in there till you go by here. But you can't start here, so he keeps rolling out the furniture. Which direction is the furniture going? From God toward man. Until finally his grace sends mercy to us so that where we are, you say, I found God. You didn't find God. God found your hide. You can't find God. We're standing out here helpless, hopeless on the outside. And God said, there's a door. But to get to the door, you got to go through the tribe of Judah. Then I step in and the first thing I see is the greatest manifestation of grace that will ever introduce you to God. It's a place of repentance. It's an altar. And when I've repented, I take a step past the brazen labor and I'm washed in the name of Jesus Christ. Then I see a door, another door, and I step in to the holy place. And in the holy place, everything is different. You, you, you see where I'm going? What causes you to walk that way? You've never been that way before. It is that grace was rolled out to you in increments. Watch me. And every step and every piece of furniture purifies you to a, not another level. And every time you take a step, it purifies you to another level and to another level until finally you arrive in a place like this and we're dancing and we're shouting, what are we doing? We're standing just outside. I, I don't have time to preach all this. But the Bible has a passage in it that when they put that Ark of the Covenant, when they put it in Solomon's temple for the last time, those priests whose entire life all they had felt was the weight of God's glory on their shoulders as they moved from place to place. That was their life. That was their job. That's the reason they existed was to move God's spirit from place to place. But when they put it in the tabernacle, they could not bear the thought that it's the last time I'll ever feel the weight of God's glory. And so the Bible says that they took the staves and they put them without, but they were not without. You know what they did? That, all, that ark has four big rings on its corners and they pull those staves out and they skip the first ring 
and went to the last one and stuck it through till the big ball on the end of it caught against that ring and they shoved them out from beneath the veil. The Bible says they're seen without, but they're not without. And here's the problem. We come to these kind of services and oh, the Holy Ghost is moving. And if we're not careful, we'll dance a while and go home and say, man, didn't we have church? One step beyond your dance, you can bend over and get a hold of something. You, you, you didn't hear that. I can't get in there yet. But I can feel him behind there. I can't see through the veil of flesh, but I can feel he's in there. And then the writer said in Hebrews, and when Christ died, that the veil was rent from top to bottom. And now we don't have to go through all of this stuff but we can boldly approach the throne of God listen to me what we're doing here tonight is creating anointing we're singing the truths of God's word we're affirming that word with our worship and when the people start responding to the truth being delivered uh, there is something a symbiotic relationship that takes place uh, an anointing falls in a house and we misquote it every time we say the anointing breaks the no it doesn't it destroys the yoke the word literally is to pulverize to grind as though making powder you can't repair the yoke after God gets through with it. You can't reinstate what the anointing destroyed. I'm not against AA. I'm not against AA. I'm not. But I have one problem with AA. They tell you to stand up for the rest of your life and say, my name is Carlton Martin Varnell, and I've been an alcoholic for the difference in AA and the Holy Ghost is, we, used to, we want you to stand up and say, once like a bird, in prison I dwelt. No freedom from the sorrows I felt, but Jesus came. I'm not standing up saying I am this. All I'm standing up saying I used to be. I used to be. But I have been washed in his blood. I can't preach in this church. I just get up here and mess around. Oh, hallelujah. What you want me to do, Bishop? Well, I feel like going to a restaurant and going home and going to bed, but what, what, what do you want me to do? I'm not going to stand up here and lie about it now. Have a seat and grab your Bible. You want to preach a minute? I used to really like Sunday night church. Now I'm trying to survive it. 
There's a storm over the ocean and it's moving this away. Anchor in Jesus, you will surely drift away. There's a storm out over the ocean and it's moving. Oh, come on, you know this. Anchor in Jesus, you will surely drift away. Then we used to say, drift away. Drift away. You will surely drift away if your soul not anchored in Jesus. You will surely drift away. Hallelujah. Let me explain to our guests what we're doing here. We're rejoicing in the Lord of our salvation. Hallelujah. All right, enough of that mess. Enough of that. We'll get out of control here. If you'll help me, I'm going to preach just a few minutes. I need Pastor to get his Bible, get him a microphone. And turn him up. We're going to preach just a minute. Now, how many of you have felt the Holy Spirit of God move in this house tonight? The Spirit of the Lord was so strong a few minutes ago, I thought it was going to break me in half. My, what a touch of the Spirit in this place. But listen to me. It is vital that you not only feel it, but you understand its purpose. For too many years, we had apostolics not destroyed for a lack of power, but they didn't know why the power was given. They were being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God's not short on power. His people are not short on power. But when you're dumb, you're going to do dumb stuff. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, very quickly. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. That's all I can quote. I got to get these on. And such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Everybody say incest. It's in the church. The Corinthian church? The big church? Yep. The bigger the church, the bigger the problems. Think of it this way. Everybody look at Bishop. Think of it this way. You have a problem, you got one problem. He's got a problem. But when you get a problem, you got one problem, now he's got two. And when you get a problem, you got one problem, now he's got three. You better pray for the man of God. You're puffed up. 
there is incest in the church and you are not repentant, you're puffed up. And have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I barely is absent in body, but president's I don't have to be there to know what's going on. You, you didn't hear me. I don't need to be present to know there's a problem. Amen. But I have already judged this as though I were present concerning this dude. Verse 4, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together in my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Everybody look at me. God cares a whole lot more about your soul than he does your body. And when you ask God to use you, just keep in mind that God will spend a Stephen's life to create a Paul. God will spend a Stephen to create a Paul because he needs two-thirds of the New Testament written. Use me, Lord. Hang on just a second before you ask for that. That don't always mean what you think it means. Verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, Paul is pastoring here in these six verses. Paul is doing what Paul does, minus all diplomacy and gentleness. Paul is giving that whole church a spanking. Nobody likes to whip the kids, but if you don't whip them, you're going to visit them through glass. You didn't hear that. I'm not for beating children. Don't go out of here and say I am. I told my mama, if they knew what she'd whip me with, she'd be in the big house. But I got away with some stuff I didn't get caught for, so it all evens out. I'm not for beating kids, but if you don't correct them, you will visit them through glass. Paul is pastoring here. And these passage, this passage has a negative connotation. He's saying that a little bit of sin will destroy an entire lump. If I don't handle it, it's going to mess this whole church up. But I want to extract from verse 6 the principle that a little leaven leavens the entire lump. I ain't got time to tell you the story. My sister's learning to cook at my grandma's house. But suffice it to say, my grandma could make some biscuits that'll make a grown man break down and cry and then leap up speaking with other tongues. But in my grandma's kitchen, which my grandma looked like a grandma, she was rotund. That's a fancy word for big. We called her Big Mama, and we weren't joking. But she didn't get her biscuits. She didn't make want biscuits. Y'all know what want biscuits are? You take a can, and you womp it on the counter, and it splits open. Want biscuits. Them, not, them, ain't, them ain't real biscuits. Them cheating. Grandma, 
She put up. So she had flour on her. She looked. All grandmothers should have some flour on them somewhere. She smelled like cornbread and greens. Some people call that soul food. We call that supper. I was born in the deep south. We'd fry the baby's milk bottle if we could get it to quit melting. And she had two kinds of flour in her kitchen, leavened and unleavened. And she was teaching my sister to make biscuits. Well, you can't get a book because there's no recipes. There's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Look at it and smell it. Put some more in it. Till it and it always comes out tasting better than anything with a dumb recipe. The woman could cook. My God, I, I told the Lord, that's your cook for the marriage supper. Just take her on. I have never walked in my grandmother's house that there wasn't a big thing of cornbread on the stove ever one time. I say amen and this is as it should be y'all just want to go home forget this sermon I'm hungry y'all hungry but my sister got the wrong flour the unleavened flour and she made about 16 hockey pucks if you need to defend your home she made you something to do it with but if you need breakfast, you don't want her in the kitchen. I learned there the very value of leaven. Leaven takes what turned out to be a hockey puck and makes it unreal good. But you leave it out and you're going to find four characteristics. Unleavened things are always flat. They're always dry. They're always hard. And they have no taste. Anybody ever been to communion? How many of y'all want to go out after supper tonight and eat a bunch of them little crackers they give you? I'll be all right. Lord, I done took your body. I got the message. You taste terrible. Can I preach to you a little bit about what the Holy Ghost is for? You may be seated, look at your neighbor, tell them that's the best looking old man I've ever seen. We're going to have quite an altar call of repentance around here for all this lying. Leaven makes bread rise. Now, I was forced against my will to take English literature in high school and then in college almost with a gun to my head. I did everything I could do to get out of it. I volunteered to sweep floors, anything. Just don't make me read that. But I'll never forget reading Miss Penny's class. He honked nasally like this. Listen to that for four hours and not want to shoot yourself. She said, you have to read this book. I don't remember what book it was. I asked God to sponge it from my mind. But I do remember one phrase, Brother Nick, that was in that book. It said the following words. He has leavened his anger now. I got to thinking about that years later 
And I asked my grandmother, I said, Grandma, what does that phrase mean? He has leavened his anger now. And my grandmother says, well, baby, in the South, we say it different. In the South, we say, that ought to get a rise out of him. Now, all the married people, raise your hand. You chose it, you did it, confess it, own it. Amen. Just look at me and don't laugh, don't smile, look straight ahead, you'll be safe, all right? If not, air condition your garage, that's all I can tell you. I'm in the doghouse so much, I put a coffee pot and a recliner out there. You know, most men don't know what we did wrong. We don't know what I said, what I say. But whatever it was, stupid, you did it. And married in the Greek means it's your fault, dummy. But I've been married to that little girl. Little, I call her my little midget. Not to her face, I'm not that stupid. But when I'm out of town, and she don't have YouTube address, I do what I want to, bless the Lord. And uh, I'm in charge when she's going to Walmart. And uh, <clears throat> I know how to punch her buttons. If I want to make her mad, I can make her, I can make her mad. I know how to do it. I come in the front door getting undressed. Just, just come in the front door throwing stuff off. Yeah, I'll hear something like, hey, who did the, hey, I'm not your maid. Now, I know none of you sweet apostolic women ever say anything like that to your husband. Who's ever closed these are, you better get them up while you got a chance or they're going in the garbage. I told y'all she's little, but she's mean. I just heard my phone ding. I think she's listening and texting me. Let's check this so see if I can go home. Whoo, I'm safe, amen. All right. Go a little further here. But it makes her furious when you undress after she's cleaned the house. Or if I've been hunting and I come in and I don't take my boots off. And I walk on her dark walnut floors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and sometimes I think it's just if I come home. What's your problem? You're home. Okay, sorry. I'll go back. We all know how to put anger in someone if we're married to them very long. No, confess, just, just look at me. Just, I know it doesn't ever happen at your house, but I'm telling you, I can leaven your anger here. You don't believe me? I can make you fighting mad right now. I would never do it. I'd beat you up for trying. But if I wanted to get a rise out of somebody, I could. I can. That beautiful little baby girl in the second row, her mama looks like a great little apostolic girl and looks very sweet. I don't know, I'm not gonna ask her husband. He might tell me different. But uh, if I was just come back here and slap the snot out of that baby, all of a sudden, mama said, <laughs> like a cat hanging on a curtain. Because watch me, what we love we are emotional about. I love the Lord. 
How long is church going to last? My God, this idiot preached two and a half hours this morning. What a nut. I almost didn't come back tonight, but it takes a long time to get half a million dollars. Amen. No, what we love, we are emotional about. People tell me they love the Lord all the time and they don't worship, and I have, I doubt them. What I love has my emotions. Now, all through the Bible, we've been taught that leaven is a type of sin, and it is. But there are multiple types of types in the Bible. There's what we call a perfect type and an imperfect type in the Bible. Everybody with me so far? I'm going somewhere. Trust me, I'm not just walking around telling stories. I get, I'm a highly trained professional. Stay with me. A perfect type is something that represents or is analogous of a specific thing, and it can only ever be that one specific thing. An imperfect type is symbolic of multiple things. Leaven has always been preached as the perfect type of sin. It is not, because Hebrews teaches us, oh hallelujah, that leaven is also a type of the Holy Ghost. And we're real quick to read the text I just read and said a little sin will tear up the whole church. Well, I got news for you, it will. But a little bit of Holy Ghost, you're not wanting to help me. You want to watch me. If sin can tear it up, just a little bit of the Spirit can fix it up. Oh, hear me, somebody. It don't take perfection to get God to save the lost. It takes a move of the Spirit. Well, we got, we got different kind of sin than they had then. No, we don't. We ain't going to incest in this church. This church is no worse than that one was. Mine is no worse than that one was, and there's days that I question that. Remember this, every pastor is one phone call away from thinking his church is the worst one in the world. But we're also one testimony away. Now, I'm gonna skip a bunch of stuff because I ain't got no gas left in the tank. But if you go and look at the Bible, get ready, Bishop. If you go and look at your Bible carefully and you study the feasts of Israel. Have you ever read about the feast cycle in Israel? Starting in the beginning of the year to the end of the year, they have specific dates every year and the same feasts take place on the same days every year, right? Okay. Look at this. I'm fixing to learn you something. Leading in the feast cycle from the beginning of the year up to Pentecost, nothing nothing could have leaven in it. It was meant to symbolize and be a picture of what our souls and what the world is like without the Spirit of the Lord in it. How many of you remember before God found you? Your life had some characteristics about it. It was flat, dry, hard, uh, and not very flavorful. 
You're not wanting to help me. But from Pentecost forward in the feast cycle, everything had to have leaven. It's a picture of our world and our lives when our Pentecost takes place. When Jesus, I wish somebody would help me a minute, when Jesus steps in uh, to our lives, uh, everything changes. Uh, listen to me. We've started preaching that the Holy Ghost is some helpful thing and some aid. No, it's not. Uh, the Holy Ghost uh, is the whole deal. Come on, somebody. You got to have it. It's not optional. It's not an addition to. It's the whole matter. And I'm sick of this business of people getting the Holy Ghost and not changing. Don't mess with me tonight. Do not mess with me tonight. We have got too many people with the Holy Ghost acting a fool. He can fix this when I'm gone. He's also a highly trained professional. I'm tired of Pentecostals hiding behind it's just flesh. No, it ain't. There's two kinds of flesh. Those that have the Holy Ghost and those that don't. Now he's trying to hurt me. Everybody say, Levin is also the spirit. So watch me. If Levin is a type of the Holy Ghost, where did the Holy Ghost come from in this world? Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus was the container that delivered the Holy Ghost to this earth. They beat him. They stuck a spear in his side so that they could let it out. And when his disciples in John 14 are sitting with him after the resurrection, he said, I'm sending you back a comforter. And Judas, not Judas the betrayer, but Judas the writer of the book of Jude, lifted his hand and said, ooh, ooh Mr. Carter. All the young people don't even get that reference. All the old people know. Jesus, you're sending us back a comforter. How are we going to know it's you? What will be the sign? It will come in my name. So let me preach a little of your doctrine to you. The name of the Father is Jesus. You know how I know? 
Because Hebrews tell me that Jesus inherited his name from his father. The name of the son is Jesus. We all know that. But the name of the Holy Ghost is also Jesus. And when I say Jesus, all of heaven comes to attention and said, yes, my child, what do you need now? Because the ministering spirits of God stand at attention when that name is called. Get ready, Bishop. Get your microphone. And if you feel like preaching, we'll do some tag team. By tag team, it means I'm going to tag you and I'm going to the office. God, I wish I was 20 and had the energy. I'd reach my socks down around my ankle. You're trying to kill me. You're going to carry me to Fort Lauderdale tomorrow. I'm an old man, y'all. I still want to unplug something on this. I, every time I walk by, the devil said, unplug that. So far, we have resisted him. So I'm going to preach over here away from it. Sister, I'm trying to be careful with these steps. They need to make them wider. Watch me. Leaven only does one thing. It has one attribute. Everything you put leaven in is going to rise. Pastor Williams, I'm so low. Come here. I'm going to give you some leaven. I don't care what you're facing, and I don't care how down you are. I don't care how you feel like you're scraping the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. If I can get a little bit of leaven, if I can get in the presence of leaven, All right, I got to hurry. The only thing that activates leaven, the only thing that activates leaven is heat. I told you I wish I had the energy to preach this. I am plum tuckered. But I'm trying. This is the world. This is the world right here. Listen to me. Leaven can sit on a counter and not ever do anything. But when you put leaven in something and put heat on it. Pastor, why do I got to go through this? God said, I just put a little leaven in there. Now I'm going to turn the heat on and you finna start rising up. When are we going to quit asking God to take the heat away? Hey! And realize this trial 
is not for my destruction. This trial is to lift me and elevate me. Oh, come on, somebody. Hear me what I'm telling you. You got the Holy Ghost for a reason. We spend all our time trying to get off the Holy Ghost stove. God, I don't want to go through that. Well, you better get used to sitting on a couch. tell us that leaven is the only substance known to man that when it is introduced to other substances does not allow the substance it's introduced into to change the properties of the leaven I had the energy to do this justice. That's why when you get the Holy Ghost, you can take the hand of the alcoholic and you can lead them out and you don't become an alcoholic with them. They become a saint because the leaven can touch that and that does not change the leaven, but the leaven changes that. In Bible times, if you touched a dead body, you were unclean. Here comes Jesus. He touches a dead body. Watch me. It doesn't make him unclean. It makes him alive. Well, that's great. That's Jesus. You got the same spirit. same spirit that raised up Christ has also quickened your mortal body. I can't handle the unclean because I've got the Holy Ghost.
Mark 10, Bishop. Mark 10, 46. Watch me. We're going to read a couple of passages here. And we're going to show you what happened when Jesus got on the scene. Read, Bishop. And they came to Jericho. Oh, I wish I had that voice. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples. Jesus, Jesus, who I'm talking about. And a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Stop. His name was Bar Timaeus. Timaeus literally translates in the Hebrew, blind man. Bartimaeus. Oh, that feels good. Bartimaeus, look at me, received his blindness by inheritance. Same place you got your sin from. You're not a sinner because what you did. You're born and shaping in iniquity. From my mother's womb, he said. Some of you come in this house with generational sin. My family's always been drug addicts. You don't have to be one. If you can realize that Jesus is coming out with his disciples, you can say, hey, Jesus, have mercy on me. Read, Bishop. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Nobody taught him a Bible study. He just had heard that Jesus was coming by. Read. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. What did the dumb disciples do? And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Oh, there's always that bunch in a Pentecostal church. Now, I got a visitor with me tonight, so y'all don't be acting a fool. I brought the quarterback of our football team to church with me one time, not because I was a great witness, but because he asked. And I invited him to come on a Sunday morning because Sunday morning, you just fought for your life to stay awake. But on Sunday night, we cut up. And he said, I, he said these to me and I literally panicked. He said, I can't come Sunday morning. I have a family thing, but don't y'all have Sunday night? Yes, but you don't want to come on a Sunday night. He said, yeah, I do. That Sunday night, he showed up. And I prayed more that afternoon than I prayed in all my young life. Lord, let Sister Frazier be sick. Let Sister Frazier, she's a little blind woman. Let her be sick. Let her have bronchitis, double pneumonia, triple COVID. But do not let her feel good. And Uncle Monroe, God, that let, let Uncle Monroe have to work something. Nope. 
got there. I said, hey, let's sit back here. He said, no, I want to go up there. You can't stop the hungry. Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. And I was the dumb disciple said, hold your peace, Bartimaeus. They started singing and I was praying, slow songs, Lord, slow songs. And they started singing, well, I'm climbing up the mountain. And I knew it was over. And I just closed my eyes and went to my Baptist pose. I didn't have the courage to look at him. And then all of a sudden, Sister Fraser got to popping. And Uncle Monroe got up on the bench and started walking the bench. And every now and then he'd go, hey! And he'd walk the bench, hey! And then I saw, oh, we called him Smitty. Smitty wore the same double-breasted gray suit to church every day for the whole, my whole life. Turned out when he died, we found out he was on the board of six banks. That's how you get all that money. You don't buy but one suit. And he'd take that coat off and get it by the neck and he'd get out in the aisle and he'd say, hey! And the old timers got to getting in and church got to rocking. I'm still not looking. And then I heard somebody sobbing. And I opened and looked. And he had both hands in the air. If you come in here with an inherited issue and a generational sin in your life, all you got to do is do the Bartimaeus cry. Bishop, but he cried the more a I great love deal. That. Hey, be quiet. Nope. It's easy when you're not the one that's blind to tell the blind man to be quiet. But when you're the blind man and you heard that the answer is coming back, thou son of David, have mercy. Don't you tell me to be quiet. Don't you tell me to calm down. Don't you tell me to chill out. I heard that Jesus is coming by. Watch what happens when you ignore the dummies telling you to calm down. And Jesus stood still. Stop. The God of glory, the container with the leaven, was walking by and he heard the purpose for his coming crying. And the Bible said that all of divinity stood still. The biggest problem we have with generational sin is not God's power to forgive it and your power to overcome it. 
the biggest problem we have is that you do not yet believe you're worthy of it. And they called the blind man saying, be of good comfort, rise, stop. What did you tell me to do? Rise. Well, why have I got to rise? Because you're in the leaven's presence. Here comes the leaven strolling out of town and somebody turned on the fire. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, be quiet. Not on your life, Jack. You're not blind. Hey, Jesus. Right here, buddy. So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. The leaven's coming by. The blind man turns up the heat. And the same dummies who told him to calm down were commanded to call him and tell him to behave properly in the presence of the leaven. The reason why the Bible looked at him and said, be of good comfort, he calleth thee. Rise. Well, I've always been this. Not no more. You about to get up. You about to get up from there. You're about to get up from there. Verse 50, read it for me, Bishop. What did he do in the presence of the leaven? And he casting away his garment rose. Well, ain't that something? And came to Jesus. He wasn't even saved yet. Look at me when I tell you this. Being in this house, Mr. Visitor, before you ever come to him, we'll begin a process of elevating you. You'll go home and everything that you used to do won't feel right anymore. Oh, I wish I had some help. You'll go out of here and your buddies will ask you to go to the bar and before you know it, something in your ear will say, no, no, I'm going to Jesus. I'm heading toward the master. Look at your neighbor and say, where the leaven is, you got to get up. Bishop, give me the next one. I don't even know which one it is. Get it for me. Luke 5 and 18. Read. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy. He was palsied. He couldn't walk. 
and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. Wait a minute. When the leaven gets in the house, you're going to start having issues with space. I wish I had the energy to preach this, but I don't. There is so much in here. But when you get Jesus in the house, you have to worry about filling the house up. You have to worry about getting the palsied man in. You want to get a crowd? Light something on fire. The whole town will come watch that joker burn. You want to get your friends to come to church? Go to work and light yourself on spiritual fire. They'll say, what's got into you? What happened to you? You are not like you used to be. What's going on? Read. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in. Couldn't get him in. Because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop. They got up on the housetop. And let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. When you really want to get before the Lord, nothing will stop you. When you really want to stay home, nothing can inspire you. It's all about what you want. Read, Bishop. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Oh, they had a problem with that. Go ahead. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Well, it's the leaven, you ding-dongs, but keep reading. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Yeah. And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. What, what, what do you think is easier, me to get you to rise up or me to forgive your sins? But this next part's the part I like. He said, Just for you unbelievers, I'm going to give you the whole loaf. Read. Read. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise. Whoa, what? Arise. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You forgave the man's sin and then you told him to get up. I ain't got time to preach it. We out of time and I'm out of gas. But Jesus' resurrection. It was not spiritual. As long as there was one cell of blood in his body. His blood was regenerate. That's why we baptize you in Jesus' name. Because there's no death or sin in that blood. And when you... When we bury you in that now, you don't believe me? Leviticus 17 and 11 says life is contained in the blood. And the Bible says that God breathed the breath of into Adam and Adam became a soul. You can't be half dead. I don't care what your mama told you. She can't beat you half to death. You're either dead or you're not. (laughs) 
it's hard to get apostolic to think and worship at the same time. We got to think about it and then we'll worship, but we can't do it at the same time. The reason why we get so excited about Jesus' name baptism and insist on that being the only way is the only body that ever came to earth that had the blood was Jesus. And there was no death in him. Come on, I'm in the book. There was no death in him. Because when man sinned, that same breath of life, that blood he had imparted to Adam was a... That's why we call Christ the second Adam. Because the first Adam came with pure blood because God gave it to him when he breathed the breath of life into him. Because Leviticus 17, 11 says life is in the blood. He was a lump of clay and God breathed blood into the man. Oh, I got them thinking now. I got them thinking and they about to run out of coffee. I see smoke coming out their ears. Watch me, watch me, watch me. I'm finna learn you something. And if you love scripture, this is fixing to blow your mind. <laughs> when Adam sinned, the Bible says also that the sentence of death entered in. If life is in the blood, then sin had to enter the blood. That's why we call Jesus the second Adam. Because he had, watched me, the same God that, overs that overshadowed Mary and that which was conceived of her was of the Holy Ghost. That same God breathed the breath of life in Adam and Jesus was the second Adam without sin. So when they lay in a tomb... For three days, that blood began to regenerate because there was no death in it. There was no death in it. You getting up from there, whether you like it or not, because there is no death in that blood. That's why when we baptize you in Jesus' name, you come up a new creature. You're no longer dead in your sin and your trespass. But you rise, you rise, you rise to a newness of life. I can't preach all these. Bishop, go to Colossians 2. And here's how we're going to close this service. We're going to get the preacher some more cold water, Brother Nick. Right now. Get them paddles ready. <laughs> Here's how we're going to close this service. We're going to rejoice for our risen position. Satan, before he was cursed, was a beautiful animal that walked upright. 
take the top off of that and put it right over there, Brother Nick. Did y'all know that snakes walked upright before the garden? But when he tripped up Eve, his curse was, watch me, that he would crawl in the dust. The word dust is the same root. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what you were created in is what he's now graveling in? The root word for dust in that text literally is the root word for transgression or sin or base materials. You were made out of sinful stuff. That's why the Bible says it's not some miracle you went back to sin if you quit serving God. you just like a dog returning to its vomit. Why is it easier to sin than it is to do right? Because sinning is your natural state. Holy Ghost is given to us. Watch me to lift us. The word righteous just means upright. And when Jesus died on the cross for three days, his body laid down. But on the third day, on the third day, it's interesting that the scientists tell us that your mantle cells in your blood take 72 hours to replenish themselves when they're, yay, when they're damaged. It's not a mistake that my Lord was in that tomb for three days. It took three days for the cells of his blood in which there was no death to listen and say, get up from there. Get up from there. Read Bishop verse 9, Colossians 2. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yes, it does. And ye are complete in him. What? Which is the head of all principalities and power. Stop. Stop being afraid of the principalities and the powers of this world. <laughs> Back up and read that to him again, Bishop. And ye are complete in him. Why are you completing is, him? Why, why are you completing him? Because you bear his name, his blood. Who is the head of all principality and power? Stop. Satan works for God. Oh, I'm battling darkness. Well, stop battling darkness. Get in your living room and start turning the fire up. I am complete in him. I am complete in him. I'm not complete in myself. I don't have power over everything myself, but I got a name. I got a name. I've got a name. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Everybody say, God forgave me. Read. 
in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What Christ did and what we bury you in is his name. It doesn't just give you power to do what you want to. It gives you power to be above sin. It is what cleanses you. It's not your righteousness. It is his righteousness. Read. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him. You, you, all right, that's enough. They, they can't get no more. If you want to get up, you got to first get down. I feel like the George Clinton song. If you want to get up, you got to get down on it. I wasn't always in the church, all right? I know who George Clinton is. I've been to a concert with a grown man in a diaper. <laughs> but one day I was buried with him in baptism. Wherein also I am now risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened that means to make alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses he didn't stop there but then he got his eraser out and he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you I'm tired of preaching to people who are forgiven who are spotless but in their brain they're still carrying scars We finna get over it right now. I'm from the South. We finna do stuff. Listen to me. Come here, brother. Come up here beside me. Stand right here beside me. Get ready to take your jacket off. Not yet. When Bartimaeus started hollering, have mercy on me. There was a reason why the disciples told him to hold his peace. It was because he was wearing an orange outer garment. And he was wearing an orange outer garment because in that day and time, anybody in society that touched him had to spend three to seven days in a rite of purification. They couldn't go to work. They couldn't do their business. They couldn't make money. They couldn't be with their family. They had to be segregated away from everybody getting clean because they touched an unclean person. Can you imagine what kind of disruption that would make to society? But even more importantly, can you imagine what that would do to the psyche of this man? that nobody could ever touch me. Nobody could touch this man. He was literally untouchable. And we want to tell him to be quiet. And so they made him wear an orange outer garment that symbolized to the whole world that man is unclean and if you touch him you are unclean so avoid him at all costs. This man became a pariah, an outcast, an untouchable, an unloved one. 
But when he hollered at Jesus, divinity said, I don't feel that way about you. Stop everything. And he said, call him. And they said, be of good comfort. Be of good cheer. Rise, he calleth thee. And when the spirit started working and lifted him up, the Bible says that he did something. Remember me talking to you about grace and faith? Grace is from God to man, always direction. But faith is always the other direction from man to God. The Bible says he rose, watch this, casting away his garment. He was still blind. He was still Bartimaeus. He still had generational sin on his life, but he realized I have got the attention of the leaven and I don't think I'm gonna need this anymore. So he rose, casting away his garment and he came to Jesus. In this room right now, there are people who have been buried in the name of Jesus. You have been cleansed. You have been caused to rise. But every now and then you want to go pick up your garment. Get your coat up, brother. You want to slide back into an old identity. Put it back on. You want to become the blind man again. But then you come back to church and you don't feel right with it. And the Holy Ghost said, no, that doesn't belong to you anymore. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. The biggest problem we have in the apostolic movement is that we have people who are not yet convinced that God loves them as much as he does. preacher you don't know what I did let me tell you what he did knowing full well what you were going to do in that while you were yet a sinner oh I'm just preaching the book to you tonight this ain't a bunch of fancy stories this is just straight book Jesus can you heal my son I can if you can believe the problem was not Jesus' power to heal. The problem was his self-worth. Do I deserve being healed? Everybody in this room, stand on your feet right now. Thank you. Well, how do I get, how do I rise above this? The old timers would say, you got to call on him. You got to call on him. You got to call on him. And I can remember that they would start out. Jesus. Jesus. The old timers would sing, Father. 
every lying spirit that says you are what you were I come against every demonic force of hell every principality and every power that has no power in your life I come against it right now in the name of Jesus Christ and I command the spirit of fear and anxiety and doubt and lack of worth I command it to be gone in the name of Jesus Christ I take dominion over it in the name of Jesus I speak health I speak life I speak power I speak deliverance I speak freedom I speak joy Then my grandmother in her prayer would lift up her voice and say, I need the oh, I need thee. Savior, I come to, to Thee. I need the. to get good enough everybody's hands raised everybody's face lifted toward heaven
Lift your voice with me. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Come on, sing it.
the man of God preached to somebody tonight that your furnace was sent to cause you to rise again. Anybody in a furnace right now? Anybody in some heat right now? They put those three Hebrew boys in the fire and the dumb devil thought he was going to destroy them. But when he looked over the edge, the Bible said that the did we not throw three in there? But lo, I see four. And the fourth, there's some leaven in the fire. Not only did they come out of the fire, but when they got out of the fire, the king said, elevate those boys. They rose to a place of prominence. I wish somebody in the building right now would get a revelation. You're about to come out of the fire. And when you come out of the fire, you're going to the next level. That's for three or four people to shout over right there. Come on, you're not in the fire by yourself. God is about to elevate you. This will preach five ways from Sunday. I wish I had the energy to preach it. (laughs) Oh, but, but Bishop, they lied on me. Talk to Joseph. God said, I'm taking you somewhere, Joseph, but before you go up, you got to go down. Get in the, they, They're going to lie on you. They're going to throw you in the prison. But when you come out, uh, put that boy in charge of everything. Uh, he's going to rise up. Somebody ought to take 30 seconds before we leave the building uh, and just give God a shout of praise. Uh, you may have come in here uh, down and out but I feel some getting up strength oh rejoice not against me oh my enemy when I fall I shall I shall arise hallelujah somebody give him a prize in this place.